Hey, how you doing? Welcome to another one. Thanks for listening. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by FreeAgent, the online accounting software that puts you in control of your freelancer finances. So to claim your one month free trial, off you pop to freeagent.com slash being freelance. But right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for web designer Dave Smythe. People hire people if they're willing to pay a certain rate and they like working with you or they like your work and your approach, then I think they're going to pick you anyway, actually. The great thing about those social media groups, they're real two-way, supportive, non-judgmental, safe space for freelancers. And I wasn't sure what benefits it would have for me, but actually joining those groups have been one of the best things that I've done in recent times. I hate seeing freelancers being exploited or stitched up, so I just wanted to write some things about my own experiences. I guess it's a bit of a way of giving back to the freelance community. Yes, so there is Dave, who I first encountered being very, very helpful and friendly on Twitter. This is is what happens, right? You just see somebody's name keep popping up, like replying to people, sharing articles, and, and you start thinking, who's that? Before you know it, you're interviewing them for a podcast and perhaps even sharing some German versed in a beer in a random West London restaurant. Genuinely. Anyway, that coming up in a moment. Uh, By the way, if you've not joined the Being Freelance community yet, please do follow the link at beingfreelance.com and come join the conversations, including like we do a midweek mastermind. So if you've got a problem, the collective mind comes together and helps you solve it for your business. Plus, we have the non-employee of the week awards where you can win biscuits on a Friday. Anyway, come find us. Follow the link to the Being Freelance community at beingfreelance.com. Of course, check out the other episodes of the podcast, check out the vlogs and the videos and the articles and get in touch. Let me know what you think, be it on Twitter or Instagram or beneath the videos in the YouTube comments. It's always nice to hear from you. Okay, let's find out then what it's like being freelance for this week's guest. That is web designer Dave Smythe. Hey, Dave. Hi, Steve. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for doing this. How about we get started as ever hearing how you got started being freelance? I've always been freelance, actually, but I've only been a freelance web designer for the past five years or so. I started building sites in around 1999, started learning how websites worked a bit of a misspent youth really and then I trained I I trained as a musician so I went to university and then to music college and shortly after I graduated I fell out of love with playing and a couple of things happened and I started building websites for other people so um, yeah and that was about five years ago and here I am. (laughs) So was there a period where you were a freelance musician? Yeah, I, I did that for, well, it was while I was studying, so th- maybe 10 years or so. Wow, you dark horse. Okay, so when you decided to start doing those websites, who were your clients? How did you find your first clients? Well, the, the typical thing, initially it was friends and family. In fact, the first <laughs> the first thing I did was just put up a post on Facebook saying, does anybody need a website? But it was a real dive into the deep end because I had no idea how to price projects, how long things took. Because I'd built websites for myself throughout that whole time that I was studying and performing and done the occasional thing for other people. But yeah, I'd never really tracked it properly or had any idea how to price work or anything like that. And so so, so your first clients were friends. Did you then start to exhaust that? 
So yeah, initially they were musicians and uh, as you can imagine, they don't have huge budgets. So yeah, I actually started getting work through Upwork. It was Elance then, but that was my first sort of foray into working with other clients and businesses who did other stuff. Yeah, so I started doing some really small jobs on there and built up the profile and got a lot of work from those platforms over a few years. So it was quite a positive experience for you? Yeah, it's uh, unusual. And they're always slightly controversial platforms, but it really worked for me. And I basically found that if I just ignored all of the low, the low ball jobs and the low ball pricing, there's a tier of clients on there who are willing to pay normal rates. Yeah. And the thing is that they're willing to pay normal rates, but they're also ready and willing to start a project. (laughs) It's kind of like, there's no, like, there's no romancing them. They, they want to get straight down the business. Yeah. And actually for me, one of the things that I really liked about the platforms was that it removed some of the initial uncertainties about getting paid because everything goes through an escrow system. So if you were doing a flat project or something, the client would pay 50% into an escrow system and then you'd have, and then that money would be secure. Even if there was a dispute, there was quite a strong chance that if you'd done the work that you'd get the money. So, so I quite liked that element of it when I was getting started and didn't really know what to do about contracts and things like that. What did you learn was a good way to get work on there? Get a good profile, basically. So uh, I saw a really great tip when I was starting on Elance, which was basically, as soon as you get your first job, ask the client if they can leave a five-star review. And if they couldn't, if for any reason, what you needed to do in order for them to do that. And that really worked for me to quickly build up a few clients and, and and a rating that looked really good. The other thing that I always tell people if they want to experiment with those platforms is to get a client that you normally work with to hire you through there because then you'll not only have a good rating, hopefully, but they'll be paying you at a normal rate. So it sort of kickstarts your profile at a decent rate rather than having to feel like you need to reduce your rate to get that first job. Ah, that's an interesting idea. Because I always thought like there could be a fear that you think, oh, but what if they've never heard of this sort of freelance job site and I'm introducing them to this Aladdin's cave of cheaper services than mine, as it were. But it worked. You can see it like there's loads of competition, but people hire people. If they're willing to pay a certain rate and they like working with you, or they like what you, your work and your approach, then I think they're going to pick you anyway, actually. I don't know, loads of clients that have come to me and they've initially they've gone for cheaper options and they found that it's not worked for a variety of reasons, either communication breaks down or something's not right. So yeah, if, if the client's willing to pay your normal rates, then there's no reason that they're going to suddenly just look at other people. It also takes so long <laughs> to find to find freelancers and to find someone that you'll, you'd be happy to work with. How did your business start to evolve from there then? Well, I guess it's that sort of recommendation snowball. <laughs> so you, there were there were clients that I got through those platforms that would recommend me to other clients that weren't through there, and then there were people that I'd worked with outside of that platform because I wasn't I wasn't just using those platforms to find work. Yeah, I guess most mostly it just came through word of mouth through one way or another. You said like really early on that initially costing was an issue and stuff like that. Like, How have you got on with that over the past five years? Mainly through tracking time on every project and seeing how long it takes. That, that was the thing for me. Yeah, I did that on all of the projects that I did from the get-go. It was just on the first, I don't know, maybe like first 10 
10 or 20, you've got absolutely no idea. I've just found that by tracking time, it's really helped to work things out. And I did a lot of hourly projects, but I try not to do so many of those these days. So you'll do it for project fee, but you're basing that project fee on how many hours you think it's going to take based on what you've done before? Sort of. Yeah, sometimes it's a, I don't really do the value pricing type thing because it doesn't really work for the type of client that I usually work with. But yeah, it's, it's usually, it's usually an approximation of the time and then, and then adding a bit of a buffer on, on that for, for anything that might take longer than expected. I mean, obviously I introduced you as a web designer, but do you build and like host the sites? I'm just wondering, like, is there like a recurring sort of revenue that you have? Yeah, I build them and I host some, but only only clients that are in the UK. That can be a tricky one as well. So I'm not sure if I'm going to do that forever because as soon as you host the site, you're suddenly responsible for it if it goes down on Christmas Eve or something like that. So I might get out of that at some point in the in the future. So you mentioned UK clients. So you've got quite a lot overseas, have you? Yeah, I, yeah, I reckon... Probably more than 50% of my clients are overseas. How do you find that sort of working relationship? Oh, it's cool. I really like it. You, you have to factor it into your workflow a bit. So I've got a few clients that are in Australia and I tend to do their work in the morning and then any American clients in the afternoon if, if I've got them both working at the same time. But yeah, it's, it's fine. It's just the same as if I was working with somebody down the road, really. And how about how you get paid? Well, I, I use TransferWise. I don't know if you've come across that. Yeah, and it's amazing. Uh, I used to use PayPal because it's just instant payment, but they take such a huge cut. And TransferWise is the rate you get is almost exactly what you'd see on Google. So it's it's really good. It takes a little bit longer, but yeah, it's 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 really worth it, particularly if you're doing loads of work or you've got a big contract with a, an overseas client. I haven't used TransferWise. Do you invoice through that or is it more like you send an invoice and it's a link through to a TransferWise account sort of thing? Yeah, well, actually, the thing that's really cool about TransferWise is that they actually set you up an account in another country or that's how it appears. So their strap line is paid like a local or pay you like a local or something like that. So the idea is that you set up an account in Australia or the US and then you have local account details. So in theory, it makes it easier for them to pay you like they're paying somebody else in, in their country. It's pretty, it's pretty cool, actually. So it's kind of like it would be like a sort code and a bank account number that they're paying into as far as the client experience goes. That's interesting. Because I tell you what, I, I have paid people overseas using banks. And it's just a night, like from a client's perspective, there's so many more codes that you have to put in and you're paranoid that you're going to get the code slightly wrong and thousands of pounds is going to go to some lucky person's other account. And <laughs> yeah, it's, and, and on top of that, you then get hit with like a 15 pound international bank transfer fee and uh, it's yeah. a horrible experience yeah transfer wise i don't work for them it's but i bang, <laughs> up, bang on about them all the time <laughs> but it's really good it's really good you know in terms of you know we, we talked about costing and not knowing about that at first have you sort of learned lessons as you've gone along like in terms of i don't know like contracts for example and and things like that Oh yeah, there's so much stuff. <laughs> Are you sure you want to get me started on this? <laughs> well, what what was the stuff that hurt you most that you've learned? I think I've been quite lucky that I've I've never really properly been burnt, but I've seen lots of situations that would have 
not gone as smoothly as they did if I hadn't had a contract in place or um, I didn't have certain clauses in place. There's a client that I do some design work for in America. We were doing some work for a hedge fund and we'd come up with this design and it was everything that they'd asked for. And they were happy with it, but with a few tweaks that they wanted that were pretty horrendous. Anyway, we didn't hear from them for like a month or two. And, and, and my guy in America was saying, I'm chasing them, but I haven't heard anything back. And then one day he got an email saying, oh, we're looking for some SEO on the site. Can you help? And he was like, what? We haven't finished it. And, and they sent through a link and they'd, finished, they'd got somebody else to finish the site and push it live and stuff with all their horrible amends. And um, uh, I wrote a blog post about this because I was really surprised that the agency didn't have anything in place about intellectual property. So they had nothing in their contract about you can't steal the design or or anything like that. So uh, yeah, I think contracts are, even if you never have to use one, just having things written down and having sort of rules of engagement in place are really, are really, really useful. And you mentioned blog posts there. So, so- how long have you been doing that? Like, and, and what do you get out of it? Uh, I started writing some sort of freelance blog type things over the summer, mainly because I, I joined a couple of social media groups for freelancers. And I could see that lots of the same issues were coming up time and time again. And I just wanted to write some things about my own experiences and as, as something to help people being burnt. <laughs> I know that when I started, I didn't do everything correctly. And and there were some situations that I got myself into that if I had known a couple of things, it would have been easier. So um, yeah, it's, I guess it's a bit of a way of giving back to the freelance community. And I hate seeing freelancers being exploited or stitched up. So yeah, it's, it's to try and help with that, I guess. What, what were the things that stung you? Well, I remember the very, very first proper website that I did for somebody I just didn't talk about the price with them at all and they didn't bring it up and so I built this website for them and then after at the end they were like so how much do you want for this <laughs> and that's and that's not how you want to start <laughs> yeah and and there were loads of things like I didn't put a contract in place for ages mainly through a ridiculous fear of missing something from it like just one little bit of it and there are so many resources out there the contract that I always bang on about is Andy Clark's contract killer which is aimed at web designers um, or people who work in the web industry but it's it's an amazing boilerplate it's written in plain English it covers everything that you need and it could be easily converted for any sector really and I even knew about that and didn't put it in place straight away and I wish I had why didn't you like what what held you back yeah, I think it was a pure fear of missing something and somehow feeling like the first client that I had the contract with would pick a hole in it or that they would somehow find a way of skirting around something that I'd missed or it, it, it was completely illogical stuff. Yeah, uh, and I should have just I should have just got cracking with it because it's better just to have something than to have nothing you've bought all of those blog posts together on a new side project right yeah yeah it's a new um website called work notes so what sort of stuff have you got in there well i've, I've split it into uh different categories so there are posts on um, money clients contracts and a bit on well-being and a loosely titled career section things like late fees or pension things or stuff like that the site's mainly contract advice, really, but there's quite a lot of 
I guess you would really call it project management, which sounds terribly dull. But um, <laughs> but uh, they're, they're actually very popular. Every, everybody wants to know about things like contracts or how to manage a client or how to deal with client communication or difficult projects. You mentioned your clients, well, starting off with a lot of musical people who didn't have much budget. What sort of people do you work with? Almost exclusively individuals and small businesses. I realized quite quickly that I didn't enjoy taking on massive projects or massively complicated projects so much. So I've really sort of focused on working with other freelancers or one-person businesses or small businesses. I really like working with people who are, I hate this word, but passionate about what they do. And uh, yeah, there's a real buzz of knowing that what you're doing is making a difference to them and their business and seeing how it all pans out. And earlier you you mentioned like joining social groups. Are you just a member of groups online or meet people, heaven forbid, in the real world? I'm not very good at that. Well, no, I'm fine. I'm I'm fine at meeting people. (laughs) But um, yeah, I work from home, which I I love. I love not commuting and, and everything like that. I'm a member of a few Slack groups, which help to keep my sanity. And then a couple of groups on Facebook and quite active on Twitter as well. But I find talking to other freelancers is really it's a really great way to maintain your mental balance <laughs> particularly if you're being tested at any time so like for help and just for chat sort of thing yeah the great thing about those social media groups and there's a really great one called freelance heroes on facebook which is worth checking out is people are asking questions but you can also share your own experiences and your own ad- advice so it's a real two-way supportive non-judgmental safe space for freelancers i see them as a bit of a water cooler the water cooler that you don't have when you work from home they're highly worth checking out for any for any freelancers can you remember what it was like when you first joined those groups as in like is it almost like a thing in real life where you're almost nervous to join in or is it just like you straight away you feel part of it yeah i think initially i was sort of skeptical of how useful joining something like that would be by that time I'd already been freelance for five years or so and I felt fairly confident about what I was doing and I wasn't sure what benefits it would have for me but actually joining those groups have been one of the best things that I've done in recent times I don't know what it is about it but they just feel like a really positive group to to be a part of if you go to beingfreelance.com we'll put a link through to freelance heroes and you're in the being freelance community as well so obviously there's there's that because you had a cracking like we do a thing called the midweek mastermind uh, where somebody posts like a question and then the group tries to help with their business it was basically to do with struggling with managing different types of project. And um, one of the things with being a web person is that clients will come to you with last minute things that are quite urgent. So um, something they might they might have broken something on the site or the site might have gone down. So it was, it was a thing about juggling projects that I know are happening. So that might be a design or development thing alongside more urgent last minute stuff that's it and so it was distracting your time as like you want to focus on one project but instead you're getting all these can you just do this can you just do in fact we had a previous guest called paul who was like he called them the can you justs uh (laughs) right there was so much good advice on that post though within the within the group yeah it was amazing actually um and, and what was interesting was because the 
so you post the questions on Wednesdays, but they can be submitted whenever, I guess, um, in the in the week or weeks before. So I'd submitted it about a week before, and then I'd started to think about just submitting the question had made me um, start to think about how I was going to deal with that or or make that transition because I've been thinking about moving to a weekly workflow. So instead of taking on loads of clients and having a more vague idea of when I'd be able to fit stuff in and finish stuff, I've been thinking about moving to a way of working where a client just books me for a week and then I just only work on their project, but leave some time, like a couple of hours a day to deal with other stuff. So in that week, I thought I've, I've actually got this. So but it'll be interesting to see what the answers are. And then the answers were unbelievably helpful, actually, and tackled loads of other stuff. Some, somebody suggested assigning priority level to different short notice work. So, you know, if somebody's site goes down then obviously that's something you've got to look at straight away but if they're telling you that their blog post is urgent that might be able to wait for a day and other people were suggesting ways to use calendars and things um like calendly i don't Mm. know how you actually say that um but um (laughs) yeah so so yeah it was really uh really good so have you have you done that now then have you changed to the week people hiring you for a week so so does that mean like if i came to you wanting a website instead of saying yeah i can start that now which is maybe what you would have done it will take us about six weeks you would say well actually i can slot you in in four weeks is that what you're now trying to do yeah exactly so um yeah so if if when clients approach me now i i do exactly that so i'll estimate how how many weeks i think that work will take and then that'll be it so i'll start it whenever i have the availability and and uh, what's crucial about that way of working is the client has to be around as well so it's no good if they're on holiday because i'll need i'll need pretty immediate feedback um yeah so so that's what i'm doing now and um i think it's it, it feels it feels good it feels like i've got some control over the schedule for yeah. the first time in a long time I really liked uh, one one of the responses i think i'm going to take something from it as well which was um like setting aside two hours each day to deal with like things that you hadn't planned for that clients throw at you. Yeah. Uh, Whatever that might be. So, you know, two hours in the afternoon or an hour in the afternoon just to deal with that sort of thing. But if nothing else comes up, then instead of doing client work, you work on your own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Still make the most of that time. I like that. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So I, I, I came across the idea of the weekly working, um, on Andy Clark's podcast, Unfinished Business, because he's a um, he's a designer, and he talks on there about just he only does weekly. The minimum amount of time that you can book him for anything is a week, and he doesn't do any maintenance or any small jobs like that. And I thought about doing that, but I was really struggling to work out well how do I deal with all of these little jobs that even a day is probably too much for them and sometimes even half a day is too much so um yeah that, i think the idea of uh, assigning a week but it not being the entire week because you might limit it to 20 hours or something and then using the rest of the time for other work or um, small jobs or working on your business i, I think that's um it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out yeah uh, what i also recommend you do is go take a look at 
Dave's website. There's a link through at beingfreelance.com and check out his how how I work page or wh- whatever you've called it because yeah. that's a really nice because uh, I know it's new so you won't know how people are reacting to it I guess but it seems like a really good idea. Yeah, I think it's just good to be open with people about how you're working. I guess the main advantages are they know exactly when the work will be delivered. So obviously clients often have uh, deadlines that I'm working to, but it's very vague as to when that work will take place. So it's quite it's quite good for them to know they'll be needed or the work will be taking place in these two weeks so they can get everything sorted and ready for that time. I guess the other thing is that it makes it just makes the whole thing more efficient. So sometimes you might have uh, a few days or maybe a week between uh, client communication or, or between emails, and that inevitably leads to you needing to pick up on where you left off and trying to work out. Maybe you're trying to work out where you were. So I think it's just going to make the whole thing uh, a lot more efficient. You mentioned working from home. What's your like your work life? balance like (laughs) i guess my work-life balance is reasonable it's probably not as good as it could be but i i play tennis a lot which is which i find is amazing just to get out of the house and talk to some other people and do some exercise and then in terms of working uh, yeah it's it's the classic things like it can be hard to switch off in the evening i'm not allowed to work past a certain time (laughs) which is which is actually good for me (laughs) <laughs> you're not allowed yeah yeah my wife won't let me i like that was was that like a specific conversation as in it, have you got a sign on the wall day <laughs> laptop closed no i hope she doesn't hear that idea oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah well actually my so my wife's a freelance piano teacher so she's often working in the evening and, and basically when she gets back like that's it i've got to stop <laughs> but otherwise it'd be times when i would just work through the evening if i was left unchecked so it's quite good to have that external uh, reminder now i always do this thing where i ask for three facts about yourself to make two true and one a lie and let me figure out the lie what do you have for me dave okay so number one is i've had a top 75 single <laughs> okay number two is i have a tennis serve of over 100 miles an hour and number three is my first job ever proper job was as a magician in a pizza hut oh my these are great facts the fact that two of them are true wow okay i mean you said you play a lot of tennis but 100 miles per hour that sounds i don't know i mean i'm guessing that they don't permanently have like a radar thing at the local tennis club no no but you can you can hire speed guns or there are apps that will actually work it out on your phone so uh, yeah so i've never actually put one of these apps next to a speed gun to check their accuracy but it tracks the lines on the court so wherever you're stood and then you mark the hit point and where it hits the court and then it can work out how fast it is it's pretty complex wow i thought you were gonna say like you said it running and it knows like when you hit the ball and when you smashed your ball (laughs) into the iphone okay so your first job was in a pizza restaurant as a magician yes how old were you 18 it was pretty scary actually i didn't enjoy it at all and and actually it was actually my first sort of foray into being a freelancer in a way 
and the the boss of this restaurant she sort of saw it like I was going around to refill people's drinks or something because I had this graveyard slot it was about six o'clock on a Sunday and there wouldn't be many people in there so I'd go around everybody and then she'd want me to go back out like even if no one had changed <laughs> in, the, in the restaurant so um yeah it was quite a strange experience did you have a magician's name no oh no that's such a missed opportunity and you had a top 75 single i mean i don't know so what was the name of the single don't dance by a band i was in called midas oh right oh of course you were a musician yeah what sort of what sort of band was that i guess it was like indie pop oh man i have no idea okay i think the tennis thing might be plausible that sounds very fast but i'm going to say that's that's true i don't think you had a top 75 single you're wrong <laughs> ah! so which was the lie at uh, the tennis surf oh brilliant <laughs> i'm so glad you said that because i really wanted the magician to be true <laughs> wow yeah that's yeah. cool now if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance what would that be I think um, not to underestimate your personal value. So the common thing that people talk about in freelance articles or when people are talking about being freelance is about underpricing, don't undercharge. But um, yeah, I think if I'd known just how much how much value there is in, in the client actually wanting to work with you, that, that would have been quite useful to to bear in mind at certain times when I was worried about getting a job or worried about something or you know if there's an issue or something so um yeah yeah I think I wish I'd known that so is that everything like have we covered all of your your revenue streams so often people have lots of different ones your your main one is client work right it, yeah it is but it's not quite everything so um I I do some teaching I still teach the drums at uh university at the university of york which is a sort of York? Uh, York. <laughs> but you're in London. I know, but the train is very quick. It's it's like it's less than two hours to get to York from here. Okay. It's, it's yeah. very doable in a day. Um, and that's really nice because even though I don't play now, it's really enjoyable doing the teaching and the students are enthusiastic. And it's always nice to go to York and get out of the get out of the city. But I also I also do some teaching. I teach an evening class at City University. Uh, which is like an introduction to HTML and CSS. Um, how, how do you find that? Is that something you want to do more? I enjoy it. Yeah, it's good. It's 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 just different from what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. And it's nice to, I don't know, I, I suppose I spent so long around universities, particularly doing the teaching at York, which I've, I realised I've been doing for nearly nearly 10 years. I like being in that environment and helping students. And, and it's also really good for your own knowledge as well. So students will always ask a question that you may not have thought about at some point. Yeah, it's just good to be challenged and keep on refining what, what you know. Nice, yeah. Are you tempted to do like online? Online courses, possibly. I fear that the amount of work that's required to get a video course or something like that online is... I think it takes a long time, but maybe, maybe I haven't, I haven't ruled it out. I've got a microphone and that's, that's half of it, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, in that case, maybe I should make one, yeah, except yeah. I know nothing. Uh, well, no, it's funny, actually. I was going to say, I know nothing, but it always feels like, you know, nothing. 
and then somebody asks you something you know for example about podcasting or whatever and that, or video and actually you realize you do know more than you think well and you've been doing some mentoring haven't you so you, yeah, you, I just you started have, yeah yeah and how, how are you finding that uh well d- yeah that kind of blew my mind so if yeah if you don't know like if you watched a vlog i did mentoring or i am doing mentoring with students and alumni at a university in london uh so these are students who want to become freelancers or who have become freelancers they were asking my opinion about i know bit content marketing and uh, you know podcasting or blogging or whatever making videos and yeah i knew way more than than I thought I did. Or even like, I would say how it might impact on SEO, for example. And then one of them went, what's SEO? And I was like, ah, well, even though I'm not very good at SEO, I can answer that. And yeah. so, yeah, you kind of know more than than you think you do. It's, yeah, it's really interesting because I, th- I think as a freelancer, you you end up having to learn so many different skills to manage your business by yourself. And there's so many different tips and tricks that you pick up along the way that you you don't realize you don't realize that you know necessarily or mm. and and it's so different for everyone and that and that was um one of the things that i realized when i first started writing these blog posts the very first one i wrote was um was called on on payment terms and it was all about how my payment terms are 7 days and why they are and stuff like that and and when i put it on twitter i was i was blown away by the response because you find out that um you know, I was, I, when I wrote that, I was considering it from the type of work that I do. And then all these copywriters were tweeting back saying, well, my my employer would never accept that because they're, you know, they're, they're a behemoth and their finance departments are huge. And, and you find out things like some of them, some of them actually get charged to even submit their invoices, which is just... What? Yeah, yeah. Some some people wrote back and said that their contract said that there was like a 1% or 2% payment processing fee. <laughs> That's madness. Yeah, it's it's absolutely nuts what, what goes on. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and it wasn't just one person. There were several people that wrote that they'd experienced that 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 just blew my mind wow um well there you are <laughs> go go and check out work notes uh, for that and many more at beingfreelance.com we'll, we'll put a link through dave thank you so much for being on yeah as well as at, at beingfreelance.com there are links through to the uh, uh, other articles and the vlogs and the videos like the mentoring one that we just mentioned in fact there's there's one with dave in it <laughs> Uh, which has just gone up because I met Dave. (gasps) Yeah, it'll be up by now. Ah, we are in the future. So there's me and Dave, uh, weirdly in a German, like a German food restaurant in West London. Herman's the German. Because we... (laughs) That's right, Herman the German. Because we were at, um, we we met in person at the Doing It For The Kids community. And I didn't know you were going to be there. Like this whole chatting now was planned way, way before that. So yeah, it was really good. It's um, like, do you go to many meetups like that? Or was the first experience? Um, That's, that's my first proper meetup, but I'm definitely planning on going to more I feel like the past four year, four or five years, I've been sort of quietly retraining in the background, and I'm finally sticking my head above the parapet, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I want to start going to 
more of those things and meeting meeting other freelancers yeah no that's cool uh so yeah that vlog is there if you're wondering what what dave looks like he's right in there in that video uh if you've if you've been sitting there for the last half an hour going but i wonder what i really want to know what what does dave look like when he's eating curry first well uh, yeah the answer is right there for you. So that's at beingfreelance.com. And of course, there's a link through to the community so you can come and like like I say, Dave is in there as well as myself, like chatting away. Beingfreelance.com so you can be part of the community. But for now, Dave, thank you so much and all the best being freelance. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve.